Hey, we're here with another episode of Combo's Court. We are back from Vegas, man. It was great out in Summer League, just chopping it up with friends of the show, fans of the show, former guests of the show. Just incredible, man. An incredible experience. As always, nothing like Summer League. It was great talking basketball in person with Combo Nation. Combo Nation was definitely in the building. Today's show is actually a recording from the Believe in Magic podcast with my co-host Max Van Auken. We discuss Summer League and much more. Let's get into it. And we are live. Here we go. Andrew Combo Salop, how are you? I'm doing well. I am doing well. How are you, Max? I am doing fantastic. You're back from Summer League. We were just talking about it. You had you said it couldn't have been any better verbatim. That is what you said. So talk about your experience. Let's get right into it. It was amazing, man. Just, you know, seeing all of the listeners that were in attendance, like, you know, kind of chopping it up with them, meeting them in person. Um, obviously, you came up in conversation a lot because I was talking about uh, the Believe podcast we have together as well. So wow, that was fantastic. Um, got to watch our, our Orlando Magic play. That was fantastic. Met a lot of the guests that have been on my show before. That was fantastic. You know, even saw our guy Rashad Phillips. Finally met him in the flesh. That was great. And it was just great meeting all these people that have listened to my podcast or people I formerly played with and everything else, man. I mean, it's kind of hard to put it into words what Summer League really is, but it's something that you really can't describe because it's everybody in one place and especially – you know, post-pandemic, it was just great to see everybody in person. I mean, virtual is great, but there's something different about seeing everybody in person. You know, that's funny you say that because I – so while you were at the Summer League, I was at Disney. So Rob Parker took me to Disney, and one of the things that he told me was – he's like, you know, relate, like through social media <clears> – excuse me, and talking about all the platforms that we're talking about and podcasts, that's really cool. But there's just something still different and something so valuable at still being and meeting with people in, in person and spending time 100%. with them and actually shaking their hand. And uh, and I don't think that's still – like you know how some people get very worried that that's going to eventually go away because the advancement of social media and technology. I still think that shaking someone's hand will always hold value, right? I don't think that that type of core principle will never go away. Yeah, no, that'll never go away. That's not going to happen where everything's just going to be virtual, in my opinion, um, because there is nothing like it, you know. And the Summer League experience is crazy because everybody is in one building, you know. Everybody you could think of, everybody in media. I mean, whole teams were basically there. And, you know, all 30 NBA coaches were in the building at some point. I'm pretty sure about that. I think that's a fact, but... Yeah, so there's nothing like meeting people in person and especially those people that like you've interacted with on social media that know you through social media that follow your contact, your content, get to meet them. Yeah, it, there's nothing like it, Max. And no, we're not going to get away from that in the future. I don't think so. And it just goes to show you. Yeah, in the summer league, I was talking to Rob about that too, and I was like, man, I'm, I'm that's my goal. I have to be there next year. I, I have to be at summer league. And one thing about it, not only just watching the, obviously, the talent that just got drafted, watching really competitive games, like, to your point, it just feels like such a big networking event now. Everybody is there. To to your point, media members, coaches, the staff, the teams, the young talent, and then not to mention, 
all the NBA players that aren't even playing in the tournament are there. I mean, you have LeBron there. You have Mark, talk about the Orlando Magic. Jalen Suggs, Markel Fultz were there. And then, of course, you know, they got the LeBron and Westbrook thing going crazy. And it just seems like the whole basketball universe is all in one building when that takes place. So that's pretty dope that you were, you were there. You got to experience it. And then you even said you were behind the Orlando Magic's bench, correct? Correct, correct. It was great to see them live and in person, really up close. It was fantastic. It was the game versus Chet. Unfortunately, Paulo didn't suit up, but it was a great game nonetheless, getting to watch Chet in person and some of the guys who might not be on the roster for the Magic, but they had a really interesting team and some players I really like, even though some of them might not be NBA players in the future, but I really enjoyed the backcourt with uh, Simpson and Kuzi, the game I watched. Those are two really interesting players, and I hope they get... I think Simpson might have had a cup of coffee in the league, and Kuzi's a guy I always liked in college, and he played really well. The guy doesn't pass the eye test. So it's going to be a little bit harder for him to make the NBA. But once he gets there, I think he could be a fan favorite. So it was just great seeing their backcourt and their team. And, uh, you know, Franz and Mo was right behind the bench as well, pretty close to me, pretty much right next to me. And Mo's like, Mo's such an interesting guy because he was just so happy to be there cheering his guys on, Franz as well. And they're just like so happy-go-lucky. And it's just a good vibe around that whole organization. Right. Okay, so let's be honest. Let's get to the nitty-gritty here. You're behind the Orlando Magic bench. We had the number one overall pick. I'm going to just flat out say it. So <clears throat> I wanted to take Jabari. You're very high on Chet. I'm not necessarily I, – I don't want to say I was wrong, but I definitely need to give credit where credit is due. Paolo is that guy. Like I, I see things that immediately I love to see. If you're an Orlando Magic fan – if you've been supporting them and you're just crossing your fingers, hey, we need a number one guy that's going to be that guy, I really believe Paolo could be that guy. Like, I, I'm seeing the intangibles, not even just like Draymond put it very um, very well. It's not even just about him scoring and the plays he's making, which obviously you love to see, but it's just the off-ball stuff. It's the commanding the most from his teammates, being verbal, being competitive, and the fact that he's showing that type of grit and that chippiness already in the summer league is exactly what I wanted to see. So I am extremely surprised and happy about what I've seen already from Paolo. So I want to tip my cap off to the Orlando Magic. Now, it is summer league, and I do know you have to take it with a grain of salt, right? You don't want to get too high on the highs, too low on the lows. But I'm very happy what I've seen from him. What have you taken away from him as a number one overall pick? And like you just said, watching the Orlando Magic up close, are you happy with the development of this team so far? Yes. I mean, I think they're going in the right direction. I think Paulo's going to be a really good NBA player at the least, and he definitely has star potential for all the things you just discussed. I would say that I actually got some insight at Summer League Ooh. saying that Chet actually did not want to be in Orlando at all, from what I understand. Wow. He totally bombed his workout. He didn't send in his physicals. What? So it seemed that Paulo really wanted to be there, really wanted to be the number one pick. So how much of it was Orlando absolutely thought that this was our guy or was some of it just that Chet doesn't want to be there? I think Kings kind of were in the same situation where Jaden Ivey did not want to be there and Keegan Murray showed that he did want to be there. So you can't blame these franchises for picking a guy that actually wants to be in the system, right? I mean, you could go with who you feel is the best on the board no matter what and not care if that person wants to be there. And, like, once they get there, they'll like it. So, you know, there's two ways going about things. But I guess when it comes to the Orlando Magic and the Kings, they went with the guy that wants to be there. With that said, I'm not absolutely sure 
that they would have took Chet. But I do know Chet did not send in his physicals. And from what I heard, he didn't. He bombed the workout. Yeah, pretty much packed it in. So look at the inside intel. The scoop you're doing. You you had your investigator cap on. You're no, asking I questions. I mean, you're guy, moving. When you're in summer league, this kind of information you don't really have to look hard. It kind of just comes to you. You know. Wow. Yeah, but. See, now, to me, there's two sides of the ball for this one, right? There's one, I 100% get it. This is where you're going to be spending the next couple of years of your life. Um, the beginning of your career is obviously very important to your development. I get if a player's like, you know what? I don't want to go there. I put this much work into it. I have blood, sweat, and tears. I'm not going to just sacrifice everything to go to a franchise who I don't believe I'll thrive in. I support that. Because in li- and that's why I've almost said my draft theory. Players should choose where they get drafted. Because if they go there, they picked that. So now they have to lay the bed that they made, and it does add some parity to it, but that's a rant for another day. So I do support that decision. But number two is, I don't know, that kind of rubs me wrong at the same time because you have the opportunity to be a number one overall pick, and it's not like the Oklahoma City Thunder are completely different, unless he has a relationship that we don't know about with with Giddy and, and that young core that they have right there. But I don't know, that just doesn't feel right to me there's just a gut feeling that i don't like doesn't turn in your physicals like i just feel like that's just like proper etiquette right doesn't that kind of weird character thing or am i looking way too deep into that no i would agree with you i think the physicals is less of an issue because that's more a professional thing between your agent your group and that team so that's something the player can kind of separate himself from i think bombing a workout that's weird (laughs) yeah that that's something that i wouldn't do personally and me personally I'm not Chet. Chet's not me. I do still think Chet has the highest upside, and I saw a lot of great things from him in Summer League. But me personally, I want to be the number one pick. Yeah. And maybe that's not the smartest thing to do because you could be getting yourself in a worse situation. But me personally, combo, I think, like, I want to be number one. I want to be etched in stone as that number one guy. So, yeah, I would not take that route. If my agency and my group around me feels like they don't want to – they think it's in my best interest not to send in the physicals. I'm okay on that side. But in terms of, like, it's up to me what I do on the court, and I'm always going to put my best foot forward there. Yeah, like, what would Michael Jordan say to that? I know that's a very extreme thing, but reason right. why people rally behind Michael Jordan, say what you want about him, and, oh, he may have been a jerk, and he gambled or whatever, but you know every single time he stepped on the court, he's going to give it his all. So the fact that you have that in your DNA to, like, you know what, I'm going to bomb this workout, that's just weird to me. And... I have the, I'm kind of off topic here, but just a quick story because it relates to what we're talking about here. So I was at a, my best friend's cookout in uh, Atlanta and we were just talking and we were just eating or whatever. And his uncle started talking about a story of when they played basketball and they said, yeah. And it completely crossed my mind when they were telling me it and I had to have them repeat the story. So long story short. They're like, yeah, this guy came from UNC. We heard he's pretty good. Um, and they, this is before this guy blew up, and he was going to go and enter the NBA draft. So we were playing pickup basketball. We didn't play this game. We were watching it. And this guy um, started talking mad junk. And they're like, yeah, this Michael Jordan dude's pretty good. And this guy was talking junk to Michael Jordan. And he said Michael jumped on the top of the backboard, pinned it, and made sure that guy never scored again for the rest of the time. And he's like, this guy played so hard. We're like, wait, 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 wait. Like, the Michael Jordan? They're like, yeah, the Michael Jordan. He's like, this guy was so competitive that he did not let this guy score the remainder of the time. And this is just a normal 
run, just gym, just regular runs combo. This isn't a tournament. This isn't an NBA workout. This is just normal pickup basketball. And that's how competitive that dude was. I'm like, okay, like I get it. That That's what you like to see from a guy who's obviously on track to be one of the greatest of all times, right? That's what you want to see in a player, how competitive he is. I don't like that Chet had that in his in his DNA. That's just weird to me. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I'm with you on that. I don't like the idea of bombing a workout. I will say, Chet has, talk about pinning basketballs to the glass, Chet has that ability already at an elite level. It's like crazy the way he could protect the rim. Um, phenomenal. Like, when you watch that in person, that's going to be a difference maker right away. Kind of segueing into, like, what he could do as a player. Yeah. But I'm with you on the, um, I'm with you on the, thing when it comes to bombing the workout like i wouldn't do that personally i don't think that's the best idea but hey look man he landed where he wanted to land maybe this is the best situation for the orlando magic and you know having that insight i'm not mad at the orlando magic taking paulo over chet because paulo wants to be there do i think he'll be the better player when it's all said and done than chet no i don't <laughs> because from what i see from chet man he could do some really elite things and he's just everything you need in the modern big, but Paulo will be a quality NBA player himself with definitely the potential to be a star. Okay. We'll see. Look, I know you're a Czech guy, so I'm glad you're able to, to hold that perspective. And, and I agree with you. He, he has incredible upside. Like I said, he's the Bitcoin of the draft, the unicorn of the draft, but uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm, I'm excited. I'm genuinely excited. And I know we've talked a lot of Orlando magic basketball, obviously this being a magic podcast, but Breaking down this roster all season long and now finally having the opportunity to really just reflect on who the number one overall pick is. And I know we've talked about potential lineups and, and whatnot. Going into next season, there just is, I feel this sense of uh, just a positive vibe, an, an aura, right? There's just something different when you have a number one overall pick. I feel like how much improvement will we see or in your eyes starting next season? There's been a lot of player mobility and we could dive into some of that here, but how much improvement are you expecting to see? Obviously, there's a gelling period and um, yeah. and whatnot with young guys. But how much improvement are you expecting to see from last year to this year? I think in the beginning of the season, there's a chance it could be rough because maybe Franz is going to have to adjust with playing with Paulo because I think they do some of the same things, even though they're different players. And then the spacing might not be ideal. Um, they're going to have to figure that all out. I think they do need to make some roster moves in terms of bringing – in guys who could shoot the basketball and maybe defend a little bit on the perimeter. But look, man, overall talent wise, they're going to be a lot better because they have, they're going to have two guys who could carry them in Paulo, hopefully Paulo. And we know Franz could do what he does. And Markel Fultz will be healthy. Hopefully Jonathan Isaac will be healthy. So the top end talent will be a lot better. And that always makes your ceiling higher. Right. I 100% agree. And like I said, it's I'm very happy with what I've seen from Paulo on the competitive end of things because we get the talent. Well, but, and also, here's another thing, though. Talking about – we got to also talk about how – why didn't Paulo suit up? Like, it's one versus two. If I'm Paulo, I talked about how I was Chet. If I'm Paulo, I'm playing in that game because of the hype that Chet gets. Guys like me hyping him up. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, I'm going to show – that I should be the number one pick. What do you think about that? I'm, well, I'm thinking about it because 
I'm all for it. I think you should compete every single game. It's not like you're an NBA veteran where you're like, you know what, let's not get injured. Or, or play, play, versus the num- play versus the number two guy who, yeah. every, who many think is the number one guy, then shut it down after. I'm about to say, you know I, what I, mean? I think I have an old school response to this that I don't know if most people agree with. You should play every game. I just don't understand why you're not. Like the, you're, okay, well, well so you're, it's even more to my point then. Yeah, you know 100%. I agree. You should play every single game. And then like to your point, especially the marquee game, where you're going one number two, or you versus this right. guy, like marquee guys. I want to see that now. Do you feel Orlando has the right? They, they like. Are you able to take away enough to say, you know what, we're not playing him anymore? Like they've seen enough. I mean, do you agree with Orlando at least seeing enough from him? Let alone what we think as far as the principle of playing every game, just from what they've been able to see from the eye test from Paulo. Do you understand that perspective? Well, I, I get it from the perspective that a lot of these he's not going to be playing with a lot of these guys. But on the other hand, you want him to get reps with more NBA style rules. Playing basketball is so important when it comes to developing as a player and getting better at playing basketball. You know, like you could do all the on court work. You could even play five on five in the summer. But, you know, there might not be refs. It's not going to be structured. Not that summer league is the most structured place, but you want to be in that system playing basketball so i think it is important for him to play as many games as possible especially if you're healthy you know do you think that's why some casual nba viewers have checked out like obviously you and i being media members or diehard nba fans we're not going to check out we're going to watch everything but the average consumer um do you feel there's a sense of two things and we'll get into this topic i guess because this really gets into that i got in this the debate with rob parker and we were in the car we were driving to disney and he said, you know, the NBA Finals was down, he said, like 16 17%. And he pulled up um, an article about it from, like, a viable source. And I was like, wow. So 16 17%. He's like, yeah, the NBA Finals. And you have Steph Curry, who's obviously one of the most popular players of all time, let alone just today. And you have, it's not like he played against a small market team. He played against the Boston Celtics, historically, like, the best franchise in NBA history, right up there, top one, two, or three. He's like, why do you think it's down 16 17%? And I'm a glass half full guy, so immediately I'm not trying to say the league is all upside down and it's not a good league anymore. So I'm thinking of different possibilities and different ways why it could be down that much. And we ended up drawing the conclusion that people are turned off by the player mobility to the extreme. Not, like It's okay to say, I want to go play here, do what you want. But Kevin Durant, for example, saying, hey, I want to go to Brooklyn Nets. Okay, it didn't work out. I'm checked out. I want to go here. And the extreme of that, and then you add on to players not playing to what we're talking about, like just he's not suiting up this game. So do you feel like there's an accumulation of the load management with the extreme player mobility that's turning people off? Yeah, I do think that has something to do with it for the casual fan, um, like kind of the kind of fan that like kind of watches baseball, hockey, basketball. You know what I mean? Uh, I think when they see players not playing and they have the ability to play, it could turn some people off. And I think that's part of it. The weird thing was, is that I think, and shouts to Rob, he's right about that, that, um, you know, ratings were down in the finals, but I actually do think in the playoffs ratings were up, which is really interesting. Like I'm wondering Mm. why it went down in the finals. Yeah. So, okay. So to your point that, yeah, why is it during the playoffs it's up? But the finals, like, what is it that's turning people off? I don't get it. I don't understand that. I guess that could be part of it. You know, that could be like load management, guys see players signing big deals. 
and then demanding a trade after. I mean, Ben Simmons was one of the first. That was before Kevin Durant just did it. But um, just things like that probably – you could be right. Rob could be right. Could be turning people off. I got into this debate um, with somebody who kind of has an old-school approach to sports, right? He does it like, oh, my God, these big contracts and also on top of – Oh look, he wants out now. It's becoming a drama thing where it's always. You know, but like that, that that's weird to me when like somebody's upset about the amount of money somebody's making. Yeah, that, like, that's that, weird. Yeah, I don't even get that's, into that topic, my like, man. What what does that have to do with you? Like, just you know, hundred percent. First of all, you should be happy for the guy, and then second of all, like, it's not your pockets. Like, why do you care? Exactly. You know I, what I mean? Yeah, a hundred percent. I'm hundred percent with you there. I didn't even get into that part. Like, okay, yeah. But as far as he was like, it's just a different team every year, and people want out, and it's a drama show. We're not even talking about the game anymore. And I was like, okay, let me just take myself out of what I want to say, and like, let me just play third person here with no bias. And I'm like, there is a point to what he's saying, even though I don't agree. There's a point to it. The fact that if I wasn't such a diehard fan and every time you turn on the TV, it's a guy in a different jersey and it's a guy um, we're talking about the guy's podcast, for example, Draymond's podcast, which I'm a fan of. But we're talking about that or we're talking about LeBron and Westbrook on different sides of the court instead of the game of basketball. I'm like, let me just see his perspective. And I get that if you're the old school way of I just missed when it was the loyalty and people stuck on that team. I'm not I'm for player mobility, but I get the, that perspective where it's the mobility to the extreme. So I do understand that side. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I think the younger generation is more of a fan of the players than the teams. Right. So it doesn't affect them as much. They could just kind of follow that player wherever he goes. And I think the more old school fan is used to people being fans of teams first, players mm -hmm. second. Mm hmm. Which is kind of hypocritical when you think of that, too, because Dennis Rodman also played for the Pistons. Then he ended up playing for the Bulls. Charles Barkley ended up moving teams. Pippen ended up moving teams. Uh, to think that the player mobility just started well, when yeah, LeBron Pippen, moved, I mean, it's Pippen like, come on. A lot of those are later, though. Like, I think that's a difference between Westbrook, Durant, Kyrie, Harden in their prime doing it, you know? Yeah, no, that, like that's true. Pippen that's true. and Rodman, he, obviously, he's a Hall of Famer, but he's not on those guys' level. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's true. That's true. Yeah, and I think yeah, I understand that. But as far as player even LeBron, even LeBron, you know, a lot of all these guys, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, back in the day, it was kind of like a badge of honor, and I'm all for player mobility. I'm just like talking from like what it actually was. Like it was almost like a badge of honor staying with one team in the sense that the franchise never wanted to trade that guy because that's how great he was. That's kind of how people looked at it. You know what I mean? Like Reggie Miller, you know. Never, they never wanted to trade him. Michael Jordan, um, yeah, Akeem at the end, but whatever, you know. Uh, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, all these great players from previous eras. Bill Russell, all these great players from previous eras. They kind of stayed with one team for the most part. Yeah, and I get that. I don't. I, you're a Marvel guy, right? Do you watch Marvel movies or no? Because the analogy about no, I just wear I just wear a Spider-Man shirt sometimes. But I did collect the cards when I was a kid, so I, oh. I, I'm familiar. Well, if you watched. Avengers, uh, Captain America and Iron Man, when they're first beefing, Captain America's like, you're not the type of guy to lay down on the bob wire and let your uh, your comrade go over you. And Iron Man's like, I would just cut the bob wire. Like, that, like, that's how I feel. It's like, why, if I'm a player, I know that's an extreme comparison, but if I'm a player and I'm playing for a dysfunctional franchise and I'm not winning, or if I'm not winning at all, why would I not seek a better opportunity? I just don't understand why 
that is frowned upon from the older generation. Like I'm supposed to just sit here and be like, okay, you know what? My front office isn't that good. They don't. <clears throat> they're not buttoned up. I'm gonna sit here and lose. But I think that yeah, and also older people look at it from a more regional perspective, right? So we could really only watch this one team from our local uh, yep. station. That's a good you know? point. And now I'm watching this one team and their players. And back then, like, if players kept on moving around, it would be, like, a little weird for them, you know? It's not like they could just have league pass. and So it's just <laughs> a totally different – it's just a totally different era we live in. We, like, one generation just looks at things in a totally different way. That's true. Very true. Combo. Tons of player mobility. DeAndre Ayton is like the newest, biggest story. Um, the Indiana Pacers just offered him a ton of money, max contract. I believe the Phoenix Suns just matched that. So he's staying in Phoenix, correct, if I'm not mistaken. That's a huge, huge move for Phoenix. I'm a big believer in DeAndre Ayton. So is he a max player in your eyes? Yeah. What is your definition of a max player, by the way? Because I've gotten into this debate with who you max out and who you don't. Um, he's a max player because that's what the market dictates. Like if there's more than one team that will give him a max contract, he's a max player. So your, your definition of a max player is what the market value is at the time. Yeah. You're only worth what the market's willing to give you. Okay. It's a very New York answer. I feel like that was a stockbroker answer. I mean, like. <laughs> so like I remember I was overseas once the guy was complaining like um about his contract and he was like and then another player told him like you signed it though right mm. was anybody willing to give you more and the guy kind of like looked like so basically he signed the contract that the market was willing to give him you know so it is what it is like there's not too much – like, there is no argument. If if you could get the money, you're worth the money. Right, right. See, now, <clears throat> I'm all for people getting paid, and I'm all for people – like, I'm not here to say this guy shouldn't get paid. That's not what I'm saying, but to – I think like I think people, like, correlate Max with Superstar or something, which is not the case. That's what I was kind of getting to because there's I like, believe – There's, like, five superstars, and there's way more Max contracts to be given out. You have to pay somebody. Exactly. And then sometimes you – and sometimes that – you have more value to that team than in other places, you know? Exactly. Like Michael Porter Jr., for example, not to put him on blast because I think he's a really good player. To me, he's not a max player. But do you believe Denver had to pay him? You know what I mean? Like, I well, don't I think, think I he should have gotten look, it. You know, before the injury, his trajectory was going towards somebody who would be a max player. And the fit, the way he plays off the ball with Jamal Murray and Jokic – he provided a lot of value for that team. So I did think it was the right contract. Did mm. they have some stipulations for injuries in there? I think that would be important to know if that was the right contract for them to make. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I'm like, this guy was injured before he was drafted, injured while he was drafted. And then, obviously, you see flashes of extreme talent and, like you said, good fit with Jokic and Murray. So I understand the need to pay him. But he's like a max player in my mind should be someone that you give the ball to that could take over the game. Like you feel comfortable him being the guy. But obviously the way the market is now, that's not how max players are getting their contract. Because like you said, there's only five real superstars in the league. Okay, so with this Suns team, you first of all, they made a mistake. It's proven already. Because you signed Aiton for the max now. And you probably put 
the whole locker room in a weird situation, including DeAndre Aiden himself. Because DeAndre Aiden knows that he wasn't originally offered the max, mm. and the Suns were almost forced to max him. Yep. So that doesn't look great moving forward, right? No, it doesn't. Um, I do believe the guy like CP3 in the locker room helps, though. And so if there's anyone that can demand greatness from him, still it's him. Right. And look, you have to give somebody that type of money. So I would have paid him. Be a, it's, it's not going to be a go-to guy. So you're going to max somebody that's not a go-to guy anyway because you already have Devin Booker and CP3. Right. I'm 100% for them paying DeAndre Ayton, especially because Chris Paul's window's damn near closing now. Like, it's almost over. Like, he's a great player, clearly on the back nine of it. You have this very short window to win a championship, which you've been close to, but obviously didn't seal the deal last season. You have Devin Booker. You absolutely need DeAndre Ayton. If you want to take advantage of this window that you have, you need him. And it's not like he's some older veteran. He's a guy that you could still have with Devin Booker after Chris Paul's retired. So I'm all for Phoenix playing, uh, paying DeAndre I mean, Ayton. Whether, whether you think he's a – sorry to cut you off, man. No, you're whether okay. You think he, I'm, I'm about to ask you a question. Whether you think he's a Mavericks guy or not, it's undeniable that it was a mistake to not originally max him. Right. Because you maxed him anyway. Right. Going through all that now. You yeah. know what I mean? The message it sent and then all you're almost like you said forced to pay him now. It just doesn't sit it's a it's a bad taste in the mouth now. A hundred percent. And you maxed them anyway. You have to spend the money. Yeah. Yeah, they, so, they, they messed up, and now they know they messed up. So it's up to the leadership, the coaching staff, Monty Williams, CP3, D-Book, to and, try to well, boost and, that. And DeAndre Aiden himself to move past it, you know, be a professional. Yeah. 100% combo. Uh, it's been a real one, Andrew Combo Salop, host of Combo's Court. Is there any other thing you want to touch on before you do your favorite, famous closing? Nah, man, this was great. Um, I can't wait to continue to talk Magic Basketball, NBA Basketball with you going forward. Um, you know, you, you came up, your name came up in summer league a lot when I was wow. talking about, you know, our podcast together. So Man. it's always great working with you. Making me and, smile uh, over here. Combo. You know, we could find you on, uh, Instagram at max underscore van underscore max underscore Whoa. van underscore Auken. You could find me on Instagram and one, two combo and, um, subscribe to the believe in magic podcast. Subscribe to the MVP podcast. Subscribe to combos court podcast. Look at that combo. I appreciate you spreading the love at Summer League. Next year, we'll be there together. Um, Until next time, we'll talk soon. Talk soon. There it is. Another episode of Combo's Court. Big shouts to Max. We always appreciate you. Don't forget to rate, review, punch down on that subscribe button. Thank you for tuning in. And be on the lookout for another episode of Combo's Court. Combo out.